Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid any lazy negativity, we're making this here episode a drinking game. Mm. Any negative criticism about a film is allowed. Of course, it happens. We can't help ourselves. It's the truth. Sometimes we got to speak it out. But we hate it at the same time. So we make it a drinking game. Anytime we say something negative about a film, you hear this sound. That sound means that we are taking a drink. I'll go ahead and do it right now since I heard the buzzer. Yeah. So pour yourselves a glass and uh, let's get into some martini. Shaking, not stirred. Dave, Jesus that is Christ, not Dave. anything that Bond would drink unless Bond was at Oktoberfest on retirement. Why do you have a oh full liter pitcher of beer filled you, to the you, brim? What are you talking about? This, this, this is normal. I've seen Thor drink this. Oh, great. Oh, my yeah. God. That is a gigantic, gigantic oh I mean, beer, dude. Yeah, I think everyone by now knows it's gigantic because you can hear every time I put it down on the fucking microphone. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, All right, moving in. Moving okay, along, moving so... Along. We're going to get into our uh, new Bond segment. We all went to the cinemas to check this out. Just quick, quick reminder to all of our friends, family, and anybody who is new. We keep it spoiler free for a couple minutes. So that way, if you haven't seen this movie, you can get our initial takeaways. What did we think? Do we recommend it? Etc. And then hopefully I'll remember this time to send people on their way before the spoilers yes, come we up. We will shout from the rooftops. Give it 10 <laughs> minutes, people. We'll tell you what we think if you haven't seen this movie yet. John, before we get into it, why don't we shout our people out? John and our people. Carlos Barroso is our beer sponsor. If you want to give him a little follow on Instagram, I'm sure he would appreciate it. The handle is cbarrozobar2019. That's C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O-B-A-R-2019. And if you're digging the music on this episode and every single episode, it's provided by the artist Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. Head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist and you can download all that music for free. Support us, love us, like us, share us. We are at the Love of Cinema Pod on all the platforms, except for Twitter. We're just at the Love of Cinema there. But please, come at us. Listen <laughs> to Jeff burp. He's, he's bitter about, he's my bitter mouth about is Twitter. Close. I'm covering my mouth. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I am mad about Twitter. Weirdest burp noises. Twitter does. I, I can't do Love of Cinema Pod because it was too many characters on Twitter. So I am mad about Twitter. It sucks. Um, people, we're talking about. We're talking about. No Time to Die. This is the new Bond movie, which was delayed 18 months. We're talking Jesus. about two <laughs> full-term pregnancies. This movie was delayed. It was supposed to come out so long ago. Um, but we, we made it. We made it. Ana de, Ana de Armas is like, can I just be a star yet? Why, why do you keep putting this off? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm going to go and do some other things and get famous in that. And then, you know, this will turn. Right. Out. And then everybody yeah. gets to leave the theater and go, oh, right. Knives out. Totally. Um, yep. Okay. We finally saw this movie. Here it is. Should we also, can I hype Dave? Can you talk about IATSE at the end of this episode? Dave's a member, right? Dave, are you proud card uh, carrying? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of the local one theatrical. Oh, okay. Well, there's a lot so of crossover not, not, there. Uh, not, not film IATSE, but we, uh, we, did get, we did get the call to go out and support if, uh, if they go. Shout out. All right. So. Well, there you go. Cool, 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 cool. Well, we'll keep everybody posted. I know everybody's probably hearing little snippets here and there. To me, the car accidents thing and people sleeping like two hours because, as everybody knows, everybody on the crew, they are the ones that are doing all of the work while the actors get to sleep their pretty faces off every single night. Um, okay, cool. Well, shout out to that. Let's get into it, people. This is it. 
No Time to Die, Universal Pictures, The Broccoli's, Barbara Broccoli, she's back with Daniel Craig. <laughs> and I believe John's segment, right, right as we were getting into this, after John remembered that this is the movie that we're doing this week, oh, John yeah. goes, his first reaction was, Carrie! Which, of course, means Carrie Fukunaga as the director and co-writer and also as the story credit. But he is at the helm. So exciting. Emmy Award winner for True Detective for directing season one. is at the helm. Beast, beast of no nation. He's an awesome, awesome, awesome director. Daniel Craig is back. And I think everybody knows this is going to be his last one. Here's his send off. Daniel Craig. And then you have some. some well, they were newcomers when they were cast, I imagine, on a day our boss, <laughs> but not anymore. You have Leah Seydoux is back. So they're rekindling the relationship that she has had with Bond in previous films. Rami Malek as the villain that freaked everybody out, or at least creeped everybody out in the trailer. Uh, and you have Latasha Lynch as another 00 agent who may or may not be borrowing the 007 moniker. You have Ben Wishaw's Q. Ray Fiennes officially as M. Naomi Harris is back as Money Penny. Rory Kinnear as Tanner. Jeffrey Wright, shout out. Somehow he's stretched his way into almost all of these Daniel Craig Bond movies after being awesome in Casino Royale. Billy Magnuson with a little bit of a shout out. And of course, Christoph Waltz is back reprising his role as Blofeld from Spectre, the previous Yeah, film. I mean, this this does wrap up that whole section, I guess. So yeah. like it, it's 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 kind of like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, 2, and 3. It's like, a, it's a, it's it's a, running story yes so you couldn't you couldn't wrap this up and not have him back and i like that because he's, he's great the pierce yeah. the pierce brosnans they just kept getting bigger and more wild and more ridiculous to the point where a satellite from the sky was like hitting a, a mouse with a laser on ice and it got really <laughs> really crazy with the pierce brosnan movies but i actually do really like the this the symmetry and the arc of the daniel craig bond character um so it starts with Casino Royale in 2006, Quantum of Solace in 2008, which was done during the writer's strike. So there was... Uh, John, you saw Quantum of Solace recently, And it right? shows. Yeah. I watched this whole franchise. No, you're right. This past year, actually. Oh. Um, Skyfall 2012 and Spectre 2015. And then this one, of course, years, years later, but it, it was supposed to come out last year. Um, so, yes, Quantum of Solace. And Daniel Craig has, has just... It has not been shy about how frustrating it was to be on set. And they decided to continue filming, even though they did not have a completed script and nobody would finish the script because of the writer's strike. Nobody was going to go ahead and cross that line. So he was literally filming without a completed script. Really, really cool. So he apparently was complaining about it. To I think it, it still holds the record though, for the largest explosion caught on film. I think have you seen, I, I I've been watching like the behind the scenes of that. And it's so funny. All the things that are like, yeah, me, I like where they like, don't blink, don't blink. Don't. Shoot. Yeah. We got, we got one shot at this. Wait, that's, that's Skyfall, right? Or did Skyfall the largest explosion? Did, quantum, no, quantum of solace. Largest no, explosion ever got on film. The Skyfall one's big. I, I thought the Skyfall was anyway, whatever. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, I, I forget where we left off. So then they get Sam Mendes involved. Apparently he asks him at a party and then the next day realized he was drunk and asked somebody to direct a Bond movie. So we had to call Barbara Broccoli and it's like, is it okay if Academy Award winner Sam Mendes directs the next one and eventually two Bond movies? Yada, yada, yada. Skyfall kind of gets things back and going again. Spectre was the last one, which everybody kind of felt was a little incomplete. It was not as satisfying as Skyfall. So they decided to come back for one more, even though Daniel Craig is in his 50s. I think we know the drill. Before I get into the introduction to the storyline, John, can you, is there anything else from your rewatch of these films that you think would be helpful in setting up our discussion? 
Um, go ahead and set up the plot of this one, but I, I will kick us off after you explain the plot for kind of what, what I think could be helpful for us to, to think about as we move into our discussions. Nice. And I, I watched um, Skyfall again this past week because it's on Hulu. Nice. Controversially, don't like Skyfall. Yeah. Okay, wait, funny. I, I always... <clears throat> Yeah, I keep missing that. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, Dave, buzz yourself. Um, Drink your liter of beer with judgment. So Skyfall has the highest rating other than Casino Royale, which, first of all, Casino Royale is the best out of these series. Casino Royale was wildly successful in so many ways, especially after the shit that Daniel Craig got just for being cast, because apparently not every single person had seen Layer Cake. Those assholes, right? Um, (laughs) Oh, my God, he's blonde and he's a little shorter. And then they saw Casino Royale and they went, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, this is great. He made Bond playing poker, the most interesting fucking action this has in 10 years. Um, But then Skyfall had the highest rating. So I rewatched it recently. And I I admit I, I liked it so much less this time than when I saw it in the theater. So I don't know if it's just the allure of of the action of the hits of the, the cars and the things with bond and, you know, getting back to the martini shake and not start unlike skyfall where they were starting to sort of play with those conventions a little bit. I, I really thought I was like, this is not the best script. It's kind of cheesy at some points. And, and I just, wait, wait, was, which one, which one are you talking about? Skyfall. Casino? Skyfall. No, Casino's okay. awesome. Skyfall. I was like, okay, mm. well, this is clearly an M send off or uh, yeah, for Judy Dench. And I just, I just didn't. And Javier Bardem was, he, he did everything he could. I just didn't, it just didn't seem, it seemed like they, they could have gone further. It seemed like they could have had another draft. I don't know. That was just me. Um, that's me. That's what I think. We're, we're yeah. really padding out getting to no time to die. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Here's the storyline. This is, this is on IMDb, but this is as sent by Universal Pictures. The storyline for No Time to Die, the film we're talking about today <laughs> that just came out. Bond has left active service and is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. They kind of skipped some, didn't they? Didn't they skip the whole? Anyway. Fine. He's retired in Jamaica. His peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix Leiter, as played by Jeffrey Rush, from the CIA, turns up asking for help. The mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous <laughs> treacherous than <laughs> expected. In this episode? Fuck. <laughs> uh, Jeff, are you hitting the right button? Because John's buzzer keeps going. I'm just hitting John every time. Every time I drink, I'm just fucking (laughs) buzzing John. All right, so they try to kidnap the scientist. It's far more treacherous than expected, leading Bond onto a trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. Okay, John, back to you. So I think the thing that is unavoidable with the Daniel Craig. anthology uh, within the franchise of the larger James Bond anthology um, is that they very consciously decided with Casino Royale. And I think, well, I guess I'll ask you guys if you also think it's true that unlike the previous Bonds, this James Bond was going to be deeply affected by the women that come into his life. They were going to use the female characters as his main obstacles, not in a in a story sense um, in just as a plot device um, like the way they were sometimes used uh, that way in the older James Bond movies, the earlier relationship that he has in the first one haunts him throughout this entire series, his four, five movies of the series. And I think that um, it's something that you always try to think about when you're watching these. It's why I think a lot of people enjoy this chunk of the franchise so much is that he is more humanized because 
he's so flawed. So, you know, when you meet him in Casino Royale, mm. like he's becoming 007 and you see him take this on for the first time. You see him have to deal with the, the death of the first woman at the beginning of that movie. And you see him have to deal with the death of his his deep love at the end of that one. Um, and I guess I uh, I guess I'm just going to as we move forward in this conversation, I did personally kind of feel like they were really pushing that and for better or for worse. And it kind of felt like this was just a, as they said, farewell to this particular bond. And as they maybe said farewell to this particular kind of way, they're going to tell James Bond stories. I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that they really wanted us to make, they really wanted us to feel like James Bond was a human being on his way out. So for me, I really enjoyed this bond movie. And I will also say that I don't think it felt like most of the other Bond movies, Daniel Craig's Bond movies or previous Bond movies. Um, do you guys agree with that? Do you guys disagree with that? Or did it change the way you felt about this one? Or did you feel like structurally it felt like every other James Bond movie? I, I will say it definitely felt uh, not like classic Bond, that's for sure. They have come a long way since the good work, pat on the butt and live and let die. Um <laughs> <laughs> which I still can't get past. It's 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 misogynist as shit. Yeah. But uh, like this in in this, it's yeah, it, it's great. It, like the the female characters are definitely more than just a de- like they're not a device for him to go through as such. So and this one really did flesh that out a lot, like a lot more than the previous ones, I guess. But uh, yeah, I I think I like where they're going with this. I like. The fact that the the women aren't just something to be conquered and move on and then turn up dead somewhere and that inspires him to fight the bad guy. It's like that that these the women in this one are a lot stronger. They have like for instance, um, Paloma, Anna de Armas's character. I could have seen more of that. That was like fresh air. That was like a little breath of fresh air. She was like, I've had three weeks training and I'm on a mission with you, and then all hell breaks loose and she just copes with it it's fucking awesome yeah it was it was an awesome scene i could have seen her come back for more to be honest especially considering she's on you know every of the promotional yeah, material the, the marketing team saw the dress and was like okay she is going to be on every single poster even but, though what we're saying yeah that kind no of, i I, yeah. I absolutely i absolutely get what you're saying and uh, yeah i definitely think they went that way on purpose and i for one enjoyed this movie because they did I mean, yeah, I enjoyed this movie a lot, too. I think back to Casino Royale, where you take the, the dueling characters of his first love and Vesper, but also the, the girl who, you know, he was trying to to woo to, to kind of sleep with. But he realized he had to go to the airport, if you remember that, in Casino Royale. And so he orders champagne for one and leaves. He doesn't sleep with her and then leave like, you know, the old ones would have. But also Bond is the one who's shirtless, not the girls in the first one. So they do the they do like the, the bikini reveal, the famous one with the white bikini that um, Austin Powers makes fun of. But it's Bond. And then there was supposed to, there was actually literally in the script, apparently, is supposed to be a Vesper Lind, who's Ava Green, that she was supposed to be showering in almost nothing. And it was Daniel Craig that was like, wait, I thought our plan was that this is going to be different. Like, if she's that shattered, because she has an inner tor- turmoil that surpasses maybe any blonde female of all time, the Vesper Lind conundrum, where she's sort of being played by so many different sides and a different lover and different organizations, and there's threat and blackmail, and he's she's playing Bond better than anybody has ever played Bond. He's like, she would just go in the shower in her dress. 
And so that's why she's in the shower in her dress. But they had written that to be a, a, a scene without it. So they were like, no, this is who we are now. And so, yeah, I think that's it's incredible. And the fact that the Leia Seydoux character keeps coming back up. This movie opens, this cold open that they didn't talk about in the storyline. But it's it's in the past. And it's in, it's not even in Bond's past. It's in Leia Seydoux's character's past. And it's very intimate. Like, I don't know if any Bond movie, we had like close-ups of like a little girl waking up in bed and like walking to the kitchen. You know, like that didn't feel like a Bond movie at all. But then when mm. you, but then when you see Rami Malek's character, at least we think so at the time, like with a giant gun walking through the snow, then it's like, oh, yeah, this is like all those other Bond movies and all the Bond villains and stuff. So it's like right away, you can already tell that it has the the guns and, the you know, that kind of high espionage drama, but also that it's going to be intimate. And they just set it up with with behavior. Not even with the storyline. So, I, but the car chases, the action sequence, the one that they keep showing in um, Italy, in all the trailers and stuff, that feels like a Bond movie for sure. But you're right, John, it is so rooted and so grounded. And a lot of it is the relationships that he has, the relationships that he keeps, because he still keeps to himself, but but people affect him. And I think that's, I think that's fucking awesome. And I think that he should be, Daniel Craig obviously is... <laughs> I, I, he should, he should I mean, to me, but he should be really fucking proud about. I'll give it. I'll did. give it this. It's it is very well directed. Yeah, like there is so much subtlety in this that you don't normally get in a Bond film. You ah. mean from like the performances and the just the, the overall performances, just little bits of a, little bits of action. Um, I'll I'll get into more later when we can throw spoilers around, but that's uh, that's for later. But yeah. yeah, just just like the like the action, the character relationships, little bits of business that they would like that they did. And and stuff like that. So yeah, this I, I found this very well directed. Yeah, honestly, it, it's a, it's folks. It, this is a long one. This is a two forty three. Uh, I think I need to go see mm. it again. To be honest with you, I feel like it was. I was so excited. I've been anticipating this one. Really big fan of this franchise. And even though it didn't make it into our Corona face off, we kind of clarified why. There's just too many of them. But I love Daniel Craig's Bond. Uh, so I was really looking forward to this. And I I remember I I was happy in the theater, and I was happy when I left the theater. Uh, I was a little sad, to be honest with you. We'll talk about it once we get into mm-hmm. the spoiler section. But I think I need to go watch it again because it was just, it was just so much story. It was like a five act story, mm. um, yeah. Which was again, it was cool. It kind of felt like you were watching like a. It's almost like yeah. our mini series mind. The way we think now, I feel like I just binged like five or six episodes like at once. Um, yeah. But yeah, in so many fun ways, it did not feel like a Bond movie. The way he subverted the structure. There's no chase right. at the beginning. Most of these movies open with just a really there's action-packed. A, there's, a, there's a chase what? in the open. That's still that's still the open. I mean, yeah, the opening is like 25 minutes long. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna push against that because all the other movies in his in this franchise open with a chase. Like yeah. it's literally within the first few minutes it begins and it's most of the exposition is showing you yeah, where okay. he is and then okay, it ends okay. with him. This one yeah, has I think a cool. That's one cold of the, one of the things I liked. Yeah. 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 It took a while to get there. And the way it gets there, the sound design, this, this, there's this crazy explosion without giving anything details away. Crazy explosion. They do such an interesting thing to kind of, it pulls you into Bond's perspective for the first time because Jeff's right. I think that the, the open before that is, it's not really concentrating on only his perspective. It's a really interesting technical way they get you into his point of view. And then, and then you're, you're angry and you're confused with him and then it takes off. So it's a man, those, really cool, yeah. interesting thing. It was very effective. And yeah, those like concussion. I, I, I love also. I love that this takes off, then settles down into some story, and then it takes off again. But like, there's a whole, there's a lot of meat in there in the middle. Yeah. Not once was I <clears throat> looking at my watch, going, "How long has this got to go?" Which I again think- is why it's why these movies pop 
Jeff, you mm. made a joke about it earlier, but everyone still kind of laughs like, is Casino Royale still the best one? It, there's so little action in that movie. He, he's it, Compared to, in your mind, you think of the action sequences when you think of Casino Royale. When you actually watch it, a lot of the most tense and, and affecting moments are are the very long scenes around the poker table and just yeah. around the casino itself. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's why these movies really stand out for me. Yeah. These are not cheap one-liner uh, space fillers between the action scenes, like some of the earlier Bonds you know, I, I still enjoy them, but some people can cl- criticize them for being that. The drama in this is just so grounded. There's so much story yeah. that you don't, the action is there, but only because it's earned. You're really just watching this man go through this terrible saga. Yeah. I loved, so I, they're definitely, I think they're playing with the Bond legacy and the Daniel Craig legacy perfectly. So for instance, he's back to ordering Martini Shake and Nutstar, which he did in Skyfall, but um, you know, in, in Casino Royale, he very famously was like, does it look like I give a damn? Because the stakes were so high that like even his drink, like he, it, he wasn't really the first thing on his mind. The opening of Casino Royale, he, he gets his two kills to become a double O, which is a brilliant, it's a brilliant opening, right? And the first kill is not clean and crisp like Pierce Brosnan. He has to strangle a guy in a bathroom who, and they're like ripping down the urinals. And you're wondering how they're going to play with the whole Bond thing, if they're going to completely change the character. And then the second one is it, it ends up being that guy. And then it ends, this cold open ends with Daniel Craig washing his face in the bathroom and the guy gets up to, sh- to, to shoot him. And Daniel Craig turns around like bloody and wet and disgusting and he does the famous Bond shooting right down the barrel with the eye thing, going right into the Chris Cornell song. And I, I remember fucking screaming in the theater. Yeah, it's so good. It's I so shouted. Good. I went, he literally was like, yes, considerably. And then he's washing his face. And yeah. then the guy gets up and he's bam. And then da da da. And then the Chris Cornell song. I was like, because ah! I played Goldeneye <laughs> so many times. So that fucking image is, and it's well, like, God you, damn it. And then in this movie, the- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Did you pick up on the quick homage in the during the action of uh, like the the I won't go into it, but the the action in the end scene? There's he did, does the same thing in that corridor. Yes, and they, they which did is, a quick. Yeah, he did it in the corridor, and he did it his perfect form, of course. It's so but, good. Yes. but what's funny <laughs> so is good. they so they actually opened this. I wonder movie. how many times they shot that. We're almost done with our spoilers, <laughs> by the way, for our people. We're spoiler free. Um, he did the 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 opening, like the, the traditional open. They they did it anyway, so it's almost like the other one was a bonus because you almost didn't expect it because they already did. Hmm. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so this one, after the 25-minute kind of double cold open that they did, this one, it ends with the love of his life, and he doesn't know if he can trust her or not. So I guess this is sort of spoilery, but I'll say I'll just I'll stop okay, there. Before, I'll stop there. I'll stop there and I'll just say that. And I'll just, I need to, wait, I just want to say the song. Because oh, yeah. the Bond movie's famous because you have to sit through this fucking song every single time, which everybody most people love, but do we really love that? You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many times I praised quick exposition in this. And I have to sit there for four minutes and watch the story editors get credit before the movie starts. But when I the, watch these at home, I usually skip the song. Yeah, of I course. Know said, but, yeah. Of course. But the way that this song comes in this time is the opposite of Casino Royale. Where it's just like hmm. you're sitting there and you're like, what? And then all of a sudden we're, the song starts. The song? And it's very and it's, mellow and beautiful. And it's like. Oh, this not is not just that. Oh. Like all the all the graphics, the montage, it, it it like jumps between the old style and like almost like a Westworld style new computer graphics right style. On. Exactly, yeah. And then the the exit from that like was amazing. Like the the, the whole spin into the actual film. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like and that's this is the first time during a Bond intro I've sat there and gone, oh, it's over. Yeah. Well, and I was in the theater, and this is the first time where like the song comes, and everybody's just like 
still. You know, usually there's some hullabaloo. People can talk mm. a little bit. People can start to move yeah. around. I was in a packed Friday night opening weekend theater, and, and everybody was just like still when this song. Mm. And then Billie Eilish is saying, "Like, anyway. yeah, yeah." Before we move into before we move into spoiler territories, okay. I have to get something off my mind. Two things off my chest. Number one, yeah. I went and saw this in IMAX. Yeah. Uh, if you buy a ticket to IMAX. And you're in the middle seat. Fucking get there early. <laughs> These IMAX is done like a Broadway. Like if you fall, you're not going to stop falling for a couple of rows. So fucking get there early. Then you won't have to squeeze past my legs and get all pissed off when I'm like you're only half getting out of your way. Okay, two. <laughs> Wait, I'm buzzing. There's nothing. There's nothing to do with the movie. But I mean, two. <laughs> you you admit that you show up 20 minutes after a movie starts. So. I don't. I do not. No, this one I was there. I was there in time to see the stupid game thing they play now. Okay, because the line was very um, long. Okay, go ahead. And uh, so yeah, and the, the number two. This was. I went and saw this in IMAX because it was shot for IMAX. It was filmed for IMAX. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether like if anyone else who's already seen this film will relate to this, but I don't know whether anyone who's seen it's noticed, but 40 minutes in, it goes to a 2.39 aspect. Only the first 40 minutes was shot for IMAX. Now, apparently they're using this pretty creative wording in marketing called filmed for IMAX instead of filmed in IMAX. Now, if you go to a filmed for IMAX, apparently you're not getting the whole film in IMAX. They're going to bounce back and forth between aspect ratios. And if we're getting 40 minutes out of a two hour and 40 minute film filmed for IMAX, is you're charging an extra eight bucks? That's a fucking money grab. Wait, they didn't even do the final sequence at IMAX? Because that. No, only the first 40 minutes. Why did they say, okay, that's it? <laughs> I have no idea why they it's did this. It's not money. But it's not the budget. I no- at one point I noticed and I'm like, and I started paying attention to it. I'm like, is this coming back? But no, it's not. So, like, yeah, I really can't recommend the IMAX screening because you get. Like, although in, in its defense, that opening sequence is fucking awesome in IMAX. If you want to pay the extra bucks, eight bucks for that, go for it. But yeah, it's not a it's not a full IMAX movie, and that irked me a little because marketing should not be fucking lying to us like that. Those lawyers are so proud of themselves. They lied totally on the poster true. twice. You know what? All of the all of the lawyers that came up with that bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> take that. It's lawyers. never a bad right. thing hearing uh, hearing Hans Zimmer in IMAX though. What do you guys think of Hans's <laughs> first James Bond score? Did it just sound like Hans Zimmer or did it sound like James Bond? You know what's funny? I didn't realize it was Hans, no. but he always yeah, he, fa- was, he famous Bond. He famously talks about how he always writes everything in D, and you can sort of hear it because it's the lowest note that he can play in the settings. And I thought I heard something that sounded like like a generic like underscore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they always <laughs> Yeah. No, I thought he, I thought he had a great time. Yeah, it sounded like Hans great. Zimmer's Bond score. It was it was wonderful. I loved it. Well, let's right. uh, let's let's jump over the precipice and acknowledge the inevitable that everybody already knows, but we're going to talk details. Spoilers, baby. Spoilers. 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 Now Spoilers. is the time Spoilers. to tune out if you're listening in Australia because uh, they haven't got the movie yet. Uh, Ryan. Incidentally. Uh, oh, no, he's not too bad. We, I, I, did, I was looking at our stats this week and I saw a lot of downloads from Wisconsin. Wisconsin, we see you listening. Thanks, Wisconsin. Hey, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... So... Uh, let me let me kick it off if you guys don't mind. I left the theater 
very sad the other night. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, oh, you're going to jump I, into the biggest one of all? I was sad. Yeah, I mean, Straight let's up. go for it. Let's go for it. Um, I, I, yeah, I was too. The way that they said goodbye to him, I don't think we've ever... Guys, help me out here. Have they ever killed a Bond never. before? No, no, no. I don't think so. Fake I looked death, it up. Fake, I read it. Fake like, one, but never. No. Yeah, they have done fake. I think they have injured somebody really bad, but then like said, you know, somehow he lived through it kind of thing. And they have definitely done the fake out before. But I mean, yeah. folks, you're going to see James Bond get absolutely blown to smithereens at the end of this movie. And yeah. it is really unsettling was, watching your heroes. Was, the, <laughs> the funniest thing was I, I came I came home and I like my wife and her mother were there and I'm like, I don't want to ruin this, but like they killed him and they're like, oh, yeah, they kill him all the time. I'm like. No, they really, no, really like there's there's no cutaway. There's no ambiguous, like you know maybe maybe that one's back. No. So let's let's just say what it is, you guys. Let me just get this off my chest here because I am totally in support, and as we all are, you know, everything that's really happening on the scene is really cool socially. The expectations of trying to get him away from being such a you know traditionally misogynistic character. Yeah, like I'm totally about embracing that. But James Bond did represent an archetype, like probably more prominently than anyone else for that kind of male character. His toughness, his 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 uh, certainty, his lack of disregard. For, for We can praise it or criticize it for whatever it's worth, but it was him. So watching him kind of be in a movie where they were clearly taking him, trying to justify all the ways to bring his humanity to the surface and then use that as a reason to destroy him. There was something unsettling about it. I'm not saying I was against it. I'm not saying I thought it was bad. It was very moving. It really just, hit you uh, in the it, feels, it, yeah. It left me in a real, in a really weird place. I kind of felt like I was saying goodbye to, in a very tangible way, to, to something that I guess society has decided they don't want anymore. I don't think James Bond is coming back in the way that we recognize James Bond. I've read a bunch of articles. They haven't announced anyone. There's all these theories, if of you, course. Uh, about yeah, who if, could... like because if you if you watch the credits long enough, it does say James Bond will return. Yeah, and I'm sure there could be some uh, not interesting that one. I'm sure, but, but I, not this one. I just don't know if it'll ever be what it was, and I, I totally get it. Maybe I shouldn't feel weird about that. Maybe I should be like, "Good, fuck him. I'm glad he's dead." But I, it got me when I walked out. I was like, yeah, nah. something feels, this, was... I feel like I just lost something. I feel like, I've... I mean, did you guys feel that I, way? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I felt exactly the same way. It was, I was, cause the whole, and the, the, the point is, this is such a great story. Uh, like, like not a moment of film is wasted in this, mind you. Like there, there is like development, character development. You know how I always talk about like are certain scenes superfluous or useless. There is not a single wasted moment of film in this entire two hours and 43 minutes. So by the time you get to the end, you've gone on this journey with him. You're all in. And then it gets to that moment and you're like, oh, fuck. Is he going to, like, is he just going to give up? Is he going to break? Is, yeah. like, and, and the, entire, he- the entire thing, what you were saying at the beginning too, about like the transition into the song, Carrie Fukunaga clearly understood as did everyone involved that like we're dealing with the last one. So it's not going to be the hmm. kick-ass opening of Casino Royale. Bond is back, baby. Boom. You know, it's, it's not going to yeah. be like that. We were, we were saying goodbye to him the entire time. They were introducing us to seeing him from a distance the entire time. They don't, this is not a criticism, but I just think it's interesting that they chose to, as the story moved further and further, you kind of slipped further and further away from him and began to observe him as a man struggling in this saga, not as your your friend, kick-ass James Bond, that you can trust is going to make it no matter what. That faith you have 
in a hero hmm. protagonist that they're going to make it, you start to lose that as you really you are. I mean, going into this, you know, they're going to do something, but you start to lose that storytelling wise. The only question I'll put to you guys, I think they, I think, I think I'm okay with it because the catharsis was so powerful, but they broke a bond rule at the very end of this movie to justify his choice to die. In every other bond sense, you name it, he's found a way out of the problem or around the problem, or they have introduced it as a new obstacle. So if at the end of this movie, this nanobot viral threat that basically kills everything and attaches to certain kinds of DNA, they have figured out a plot device so that he can no longer be around his total spoiler alert. Turn this fucking podcast off if you don't want to hear me talk any details here. <laughs> he can no longer see his, his not his wife, but his lover. Uh, Jeff, what's her name? Sido? Leah. Leah Sido. Leah Sido. Sido. And his child there there is a child that comes into the works here so this movie ends building up to this realization that james bond has that he can no longer see them touch them he can see them he just can't touch them and they thought that that was strong enough for him to choose to not pull a james bond and figure out some crazy secret way to escape in the last you know 30 seconds the way he did in every other movie in the, in bond history so i know that sounds crazy but they pulled it off in like every other movie so did it frustrate you did it feel a little plotty or were you totally okay with it because it was just a, it landed for you emotionally i was waiting for the he's going to get out of this somehow they're going to get out of this somehow and i i feel like i feel like it was a better choice to have him do what he did that really worked for me. Yeah, yeah I, I think so too. I think what's interesting is what they didn't do. I hate when we mention Game of Thrones on here because it makes it seem like we all, we've seen like one series. No, dude, it's a good, but, we all know what you're talking about. Yeah. One thing that Thrones does <laughs> is it, it, it plants seeds that will come up like next year, next episode, next season, five seasons from now. And the reason that he can't, this is, this is all new to this story. So that was kind of surprising for me where like he calls Q and he's like, is there any other way? And Q's like, you know, there's no other way. And it's like, yeah, because you told you to half an hour ago. You know what I mean? So it was weird that it was like it's it's not like they wrote him into an inevitable thing over like a, the course of time. So mm. it was interesting that that the reason he had to die was very specific to this movie. So that was a little unsettling for me. But at the same time the the relationships and that that's who he is now because in the past he would have just said oh well guess i can't see them again and the fact that he can't do that anymore i thought was justified mm. so my conundrum did lead me to be very hard very hard i was i was heartbroken but at the same time i was very very grateful i i did i did have a lot Absolutely. of gratitude so i i guess there was a part of me when i was mm. riding my city bike home in the middle of the night that i was like is this I, I, I am curious if this is Barbara Broccoli's kind of way of saying like, well, everybody else ha has decided what they think the best course for Bond is in the Twitterverse since the last film came out in 2015. We have a lot of people who say Bond should be this, Bond should be a woman, Bond shouldn't be Bond. Maybe it's 007, but it's, you know, and, and so they, they did that in the movie anyway, where you had um, 
Um, uh, Lashana. She's new, she's new to me. Lashana yeah, Lynch. Lashana Lynch. You got crazy amount of entrance applause in the theater that I was at in New York City on Friday night. Um, so she, she could, she's, awesome. double, she's 007. I actually loved the idea that she gave it back and that Bond didn't ask for it back. I thought that was cool that he yeah. was like, I'm okay with that. And she's like, you should have it. But also he wasn't the kind of person that would have been like, no, I don't need it. You know what I mean? It was just, it was cool the way they did that. I mean, so this was great. Yeah. But as far as what's coming next, I, I am wondering if the Broccoli's are almost sitting there going, okay, you want to fuck with Bond? You want to make your own Bonds? Then we're going to kill Bond. And, um, or, or if they were just like, if this is just sort of collateral damage to that, and that has nothing to do with why they did it. Maybe Daniel Craig wanted to do it and they said, okay, Daniel, you earned the right to die. Like, I don't know. Well, the, the, I mean, the thing is with, with all of this, I feel like they got to the end of the story they wanted to tell because this was all connected. All of the, the Craig movies were connected in some way. Yeah. It, was, it was a story they wanted to tell. So I kind of feel a bit sorry for any character that was built up in this because we might not see them again when new producers and everyone takes over, they recast Bond. You may not see some of these characters again because they're in that like incarnation of the story. They, they, may, sh- they may move on and do this. I'm sure you guys have read, we've all heard lots of rumors, but the one that I kept coming across that I had heard that Ana de, Ana de Armas might be a female double O in the future and they might like float between a few different women. She's and not British, I, though. I don't know. I could see them spinning off something like that. Mm-hmm. But they wrote, I know, they, I, know, I, mean, I, I, I really don't know if that's going to matter, dude. Like if I hear, you know, you hear so many people talking about post-colonial, you know, storytelling and mindsets be, and trying to get rid to, of this to be stuff. Clear, anybody who's listening know, to this in the surprised. movie, I mean, in the movie, she's not British. In the movie, yeah. she's not. Unless unless she comes out. And, and Bond does not do a squid game and say, um, oh, oh, culture actually, um, she was British. They don't do stuff like that. So they introduced her as somebody from the Caribbean. From, yeah, she, forget, was, she, she was working she was for the was CIA. She Cuban? Yeah. She's Cuban? She's Cuban, yeah. but she was working for the CIA. Yeah. Right, but they're not going to be like, oh, she's a double O because she was actually British and double O the whole time. Like, they wouldn't do that. No, I mean, I could see them. No. I, I don't know, you guys. I just feel like, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it was interesting. I kind of felt like, um, when I was saying, it kind of felt like you were getting further and further away from him. Again, there was a bittersweetness to it. I don't want it to sound like a criticism. I, I did notice I mean, I, that I, I, I was thinking, again, like, I, I was thinking, like, he started be- kind of becoming, it was almost like the character of Bond kind of became a vehicle for them to elevate the other characters around him. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea of it, but there was a little bit of me, and I'm just totally trying to be well, honest here. There was a little bit of me that wanted to be a little bit closer to him, just because we've had so much fun with him. So to have him kind of become that vehicle or that prop for the other ones to become to have more of the the limelight, it did feel a little. It did feel a little. I don't know. Did, did y'all feel that at all? Did it feel? Well, like I, that I feel like my way I mean, here. I, I, I interpreted it a little differently. Like they, they Austin powered him. They made him a relic of a like an agency that's moved on, and he has to deal with coming back into that agency. They literally Austin powered him. And they've been doing that for three movies now because they did it. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did that in Skyfall first, right? That was the first time they like really leaned into that. And they kept saying, "You're too old." But I felt this. that one. But why did that one? Why was that one? But I know. In, I think I agree but in with this you guys. One, that he's didn't like Skyfall, gone, but... retired. He's got a he's got a different number. Like, well, they they've given his number away, and so like he's he's out completely, and he comes back, and everything works differently. And you know, M's doing some shit he as shouldn't be doing. Not, like, but as much as I think we all have some issues with Skyfall, and I've rewatched it like at least twice just to be like, why didn't I respond to that one as strongly? Thing I will say, it does though, 
is that to play that old dog, old dog, new tricks, relic kind of thing, they did figure out a way with the script to bring you into his story even more by presenting a past that we didn't know, showing where he was, showing how he became, how he got brought into the training and everything as a person, as a young man, a kid. So I thought there was a way that they brought him in that was interesting. I don't think this one did that. And I don't think they were, it's not like they failed. They did not want Mm. to do that. This whole movie was us w- slowly kind of waving goodbye as James Bond disappears yeah, on a it, boat it, and then there's a giant it was definitely <laughs> It was definitely a victory lap, but they did it better than uh, Avengers. I was going to ask you about that, Dave, because the only other time this has really happened in recent history that we can <laughs> all away point with that. to, there you go, <laughs> is uh, the classic death of Tony Stark. I'm Iron Man. Boom. Goodbye. He's actually yeah. dead. Uh, you think this one was... You think this one uh, landed better for you than that one? I didn't know you had issues with that I, one, honestly. And yeah, I was a little. I had a, little, I had a few issues with uh, with Endgame, but uh, on a rewatch, it's a lot better. Um, but yeah, th- I feel like this did it better because I don't know. It just hit you, hit you in the, the feels. Is, like when I know when, it, it did. When, but when like when Tony Stark went out, it was a yes moment. When when Bond goes out, it's like a oh. Like it, it was like I see, I didn't you, feel that you, you way lost you lost a distant family member. Like <laughs> I didn't feel that way about Tony. Dave, do you feel like because of what Jeff said earlier, you like this one more or less? Like why are you responding that way? Jeff, you said it really well about how this happened in this movie. I think one reason I have always responded well to Tony Stark's death is because through the Avengers movies and some of the other the other ones, they allude quite often to his vision of death in the future. He sees that he has to do it eventually. And they use, they have a long arc where they finally take you there, and then they tease you in the beginning of Endgame with him thinking he's actually going to die on that spaceship, and that that's it. So I feel like mm. they really stretch it out so that when it finally comes there, you know what it means to Tony because he's not realizing it in those. You minutes. misinterpreted that vision though. Like that's that's not him dead. That's everyone else dead, and him standing. There I didn't misinterpret it. I think it's I think it's yeah. him realizing that death is going to be required, and that's a, that's when they start introducing. I can't remember who says it. I think it's Captain Maybe America who says, are you going to be able everybody. to make the call? Yeah, are you? everyone keeps, you know, there's all these breadcrumbs of how Tony is realizing somebody's going to have to make the tough call at the end of this somehow. So I feel like they did a really good job of that. I think I agree with you, Jeff. This one did feel like it was so trapped in the plot of this movie that it kind of felt like they decided to kill Bond with an explosion at the end of this one, as opposed to they have been earning a very organic exit for Daniel Craig at the end of this one. And, and to be fair to the Broccoli's, there was no guarantee that he was coming back for a fifth. When, when he I did, think, yeah, I don't think he, he wanted to come back for this one, right? When he did Spectre, he probably left the door open a little bit. Like, he didn't say, like, I refuse to come back. He made, but he, he made, got Sam Mendes to do a, a second movie, and I have a feeling that they did it kind of thinking it might be it at four, because he I was think, already I know they did, because he made a press 40s. release, and he said... After Spectre, he said, I never want to do one of these movies again. If I do, it'll be because of the money. He said that in a quote. So he didn't want to come back and do this one. So it doesn't matter. I don't want to sound like I'm overly critical. I, if yeah, I am, I think it's only because I mean, I'm sad yeah, because James Bond is overly critical. <laughs> if we're going to get overly critical, let's let's talk about Rami Malek. Short, sc- short screen time again. I was really surprised. Short screen time. That- also, I was, a, I was a little... Un- <laughs> what? Yeah, I was, I was late a- to the game. Hey, yeah. Hold on. You can't just was, slide that little- one through. What issues did you have with, with Mr. Mallet? Don't get me wrong. I thought he was great and he was very creepy. Yeah. Like his creepiness was awesome, but like 
the his menace didn't come through until he was basically terrorizing that little girl, uh, Lisa Duran's sonnet. And her her ability to look terrified and burst into tears and like when her mother's leaving and stuff like that, I feel like that elevated his menace. So if he wins, yeah, because I don't even think should, he was that definitely menacing in that yeah. scene. No. He he wasn't he he wasn't until like that until you saw what the girl's reaction that little girl pulled that off beautifully for me. Um, I, but I I was a little unclear what the end game was for him, like because I know the yeah. it began about revenge and then it turned into something else and they were kind of ambiguous. It's like why is this still happening? Like he got the revenge. He well, wanted. and I think what, this leads back to the bond yeah. thing. How this was specific to this movie where, um. He he's it's it's about you know there's a lot of family obviously so bond with his family mm. that parallel was being drawn in more than why he wants to kill people around the world so it's almost like they were yada yadaing that and I actually wonder if Spectre got to them because I think they really wanted to expand this and make this kind of like the syndicate in, in Mission Impossible with Spectre and they had all the agents and all the people and and they did a good red wedding thing for them in this you know movie and I thought that was really well done I loved the humor in this movie we can have a whole section about that but that the scientist the way he was very he humorly like yada yada our way through some really heavy shit including a whole yeah. the entire spec all everybody dying like he basically did that with humor like and we were like holy fuck that just happened and i kind of rami it's almost like they didn't want to try that again because specter just didn't land with a lot of people and so they were like well let's just kill specter off and it's like okay well where did Rami get the funding for this? Who is he working for? What What is the point of the terrorist organization? Is it just mm. him? Do, and him and the guy with the eye? Like, wh- I mean, what is the, I, I what know, is the legacy yeah, here? I know and he, yada, yada, he inherited a lot of stuff from his dad. That was, that was a quick throwaway line. Who is his line. dad? But, who is dad's yeah. network? Like, yeah, they, they kind of hinted at it. But at, in the old Bond, they so would they have just really said, feel, he, was in, really he was a KGB, yeah. and then they defected and formed their own... None yeah, of that. They didn't really this. flesh him out. And I feel yeah, like, he, I'm with you like on that. everyone would have responded to his character better if they would fleshed yeah. him out a little. And because they totally did it. Agree. Especially because, because they he had didn't, such he, a he, sweet cold open. Yeah, his thought, cold oh, open yeah. was cool. I was very effective by the cold open. And I actually wish in the scene, and, and this might be Carrie, it might be the editor, but he was looking at her and he was like, we're the same. And I like... I guess we were supposed to not believe him, but we could have given him some more slack and we could have made him more human and still been creeped out by him, if that makes sense. I think he could have bit harder if it wasn't so obvious that he was a creep. Does that make sense? Like if, mm. if he actually was like, look, we're the same. And by the way, I torture children. Like, I think that's like huh, yeah. more than just yeah, like- he, need, he needed two layers, not the one. And I'm not, I'm not shaming him or anything, but I do think that the villain could have been, the villain was not a 10. No, I think I, I think I agree with you. And you know what's ironic? I'll bless myself. I think my uh, <laughs> I think my I think my favorite villain. Well, we love we love what's his name, of course, from Casino Royale. What's his name, you guys? We love Lashif, so Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, Mads. fucking Mads. Lashif is so oh, yeah. best movie, the money. probably the best oh. villain just because of that. But yeah. uh, Javier my, Bardem. My favorite. My favorite is, villain is Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, wait, that's Mission that's Impossible. That's Mission Impossible. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck you, Dave. Javier Bardem in uh, oh, Skyfall. You guys is... argued it was better than Star Wars. Javi did a good job. Javi did a good job. Javi did a good job. You fucking lazy mother. Javi right. did a good job. This and you is, saw uh... what he, you really could see what he was trying to do. Javi <laughs> in Bardem. And it's just, I, you know, it's just, it's just the, way, uh, the way that role was written. Like there was a madness in hmm. the character. This one kind of felt to me like, Jeff, we talked about this in acting 
when people are approaching roles, especially when you're trying to you're teaching actors, younger actors, how to approach, how much do you affect a character with stuff that's not literally necessary that you don't see from the page? Um, this is one of those. And I know Rami, Rami Malik kind of has a little bit of the strangeness to him already. But I do feel like this was not a, this didn't exist on the page for me. It was justified with um, with Javier Bardem's character. He, he explained yeah. his madness, the way he flirted and tried to. There was a sexual aspect that brought in something really interesting at the beginning. There was a madness because of his physical deformity and his obsession with M. Uh, or, yeah. Yeah. With yeah. Uh, and this one, I don't think when I was because uh, sometimes I was sitting there watching him and I was thinking the way this is written on the page. I just don't know if he needs to be trying to play it that way. And I'm just curious if I were to, ha- if Kerry Fukunaga was my best friend and he could tell me things he wouldn't tell anybody else, I would have asked him, like, when you cast him, did he do that? Or did you guys talk about that? Or did he end up, did he come to set doing something kind of strange? And you were just like, right. well, I guess he's going to do that. And let's just go with it. And hopefully it'll work. Because I think it f- could have been interesting I'm, to have a I very really wonder- normal person play the last not normal, but a, a, a human that has a basic revenge story that isn't from the KGB and doesn't have this crazy physical affectation that is just somebody who was, his entire family was killed and there isn't no bigger picture scheme. It's just revenge. And that's it. Super simple. I wonder if mm. it wouldn't have clouded it, his story or his character, his characterization as much. Yeah. I also wonder, was there more to that character and it was cut to bring it down I think to two hours, must 43 have been, minutes? Right? There must have yeah. been. They Are must we going to get a director's cut of this thing? I hope so. What do you think his dad did? Like his dad, they told us a little bit. We got to see that he was manufacturing yeah. that stuff. Clearly he was involved with the manufacturing and the distribution of chemical weapons and stuff. But there could have been a whole scene that could have justified all of that stuff. And they just it just wasn't yeah. there. I still uh, enjoyed it. That being said, was I, in that I wasn't water. frustrated. Yeah, what was in that water? What the All hell right, was in that water? Guys, <laughs> they talk- loved that last set, didn't they? They loved that last yeah. set. They loved they that last set. A lot, didn't that set was cool. That's why I can't believe they didn't do it. <laughs> I mean, one of my, what, like the thing, I think the thing that made my theater laugh the most was when Q was giving him directions on how to start up the power. And he's like, you got to be very That's careful. Funny. He's just fucking flicking switches. Like, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's, let's, let's. Let's let's spread the wealth a little bit. We, Daniel Kagrami, yeah. Ana de Armas was a, just the 10 out of 10, just nailed it. Not just looks, obviously, but like the way her performance just fucking knocked it out of the park. Character arc. Her performance. Well, really she's a Bond girl, and I said 10 out of 10. Sh- it's a shame she's only in it for 15 minutes. It really is, because she was so fucking good and did it with class yeah. and the 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 tone, the the humor that they were already building into it. I thought the the scientist did a, a great job. He had a great arc for, you know, what which what would be a pretty you know, kind of sticky role. Um, Ray finds his M has a moral conundrum and Ben Wishaw gets a lot more screen time in this than in other movies, even though mm. they always, the hacker thing is always weird in these movies because we know that we have to give them some rope that they can't just be like, Oh look, hidden files. Oh look there. Okay. Here's all the answers that you need in 10 seconds. We know that that's not <laughs> realistic, but maybe him being the only person on the technical team that goes abroad, maybe like you know, we 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 forgive a lot because he's so fucking charming. I think they get away with it. Can we shout out some of the money penny? Can we shout out some of the other characters that yeah. made this movie good? <laughs> what do you think about Ray Fines? Let's say with Ray Fines. What do you think about his little conundrum and how he dealt with it? Yeah, he was. It was. It's kind of good to see him go off the rails a little. Well, the idea is this whole yeah. you don't know who to trust. Politicians are are debating each other all the time. Nobody nobody trusts intelligence. And then Ray yeah. finds is is admittedly admittedly 
an untrustworthy character because he's like, I can't share this information with people because they wouldn't, yeah. you know what I mean? So like, it's it's like I, I've been in this job for quite some time and now I've, I'm making bad choices. He, he literally can't tell his bosses, the P- Congress, that he has this weapon that he's producing because if it's in the wrong hands, you know. Yeah. Which it ended up getting in the wrong hands. It was nice seeing him. There was a vulnerability too because he wasn't the uh, stuffy politician or he's not, he's not a politician. He's a, no, but he's, he's not he's a bureaucrat. A what, what would you call the head of the CIA or the head of the FBI? They're not politicians. They're, you know, they well, work in intelligence. So he's, well, he's a really high level yeah. intelligence officer. But, I don't, but he's not an appointee though. Like there are political appointees at the heads of these agencies sometimes, but I feel like he is an insider that works his way up. So he's like the highest position before the appointee is what I would guess. Yeah. But it was nice to see someone in that position, an archetype of that role, admitting and living in their mistake. So James yeah. calls him out about, you know, two, what, maybe up. a third halfway through the movie and, and he owns it. And so for the rest of the movie, Rafe has an interesting arc because it's him realizing now he's just trying to manage this enormous mistake he made. And he doesn't play him like a bumbling idiot that doesn't understand mm. intelligence the way they could have done no, it in a cliche way. He absolutely and plays he doesn't him like play a man it, trapped. Yeah, he doesn't play it like he's a like stuffy, like, you know, guys in my position don't make mistakes, figure it out, Bond. It doesn't turn to that at all. So there's a vulnerability there, too. I do, I do appreciate that. Geopolitical, the geopolitical uh, scope was realistic and frightening that at the end of this movie, Ray Fiennes was very aware that he was sitting in a chair making a decision that could start the next war. And yeah. he realized that he had put himself there. So I, I do think that he took that on. So much of that was covered in mediums and close-ups, very simple scene work, just sitting in a chair, dealing with it. But you know what? He's an A-plus actor, and they wrote something more complicated than they could have, and I think it worked. Yeah, I was, I was happy to see that level on, from him. Oh, my God. Because like, yeah. normally he's a, he's a secondary character that turns up, looks, looks a bit stuffy, and walks off. And they really, like, for, for something that was essentially like a final appearance... They gave everyone a lot to work with. It almost made me worried, though, that he wouldn't be back for the next installment because it's almost like they gave him too much baggage. Um, but he did end the movie with uh, oh, I don't think back he... to work. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't think he's coming mm. back. Uh, Leia Sedu was, I mean, was perfect. L- lovely, wonderful. Perfect. Mm. She's kind of one of yeah. those actors where you're just like, is she acting? Like, is she... I know yeah. she's, you know, you know, she's done other things. She has a full resume, but like, is she just. Did they just find that woman in James Bond's life and then point a camera at her? Like it's just it just seemed it's just so effortless. Um yeah. and you know what? I, I think let's just let's just say what it is. I think a lot of quote Bond girls are are just so so supposed to be just so sexy, like the sex appeal is supposed to dominate everything, but this woman doesn't come off that way at all. Yeah. She's beautiful. This, this was a bond of course. Yeah, this was but a bond she's woman. She's got so much substance. True. Nice. Yeah, yeah really touching. I liked uh, Lashana Lynch. She's great. She's uh, honestly, really great. I wanted more. I thought they were. I thought this movie, yeah. based on the early trailers, was going to have way more of the spy versus spy kind of thing uh, between her and James, kind of going back and forth. I, I liked the end product, but I could have had a couple more scenes with her doing her thing. I wouldn't have minded seeing her recon. She goes on a mission by herself that we don't get to watch. She just yeah. brings information. I wouldn't have minded seeing her just for a little bit, figuring it out, just because I thought she was so good. Yeah, that'll be in the five-hour director's cut. Yeah. Ben, <laughs> ben was good. Ben Ben is so charming. I want to take a minute as well to talk yeah, about Linus so Sandgren. Okay, go ahead. Uh, sure, he's yeah. the cinematographer yeah. of yeah. this. 
uh like i saw this in imax and the 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 stuff he did with the imax camera was amazing especially like even during some of the action scenes because like an imax camera is not easy to wield uh in in an action scene and he did this phenomenal thing with the camera which like not a lot of cinematographers know to do which is like because my biggest complaint i think from skyfall was like the opening sequence you couldn't see a fucking thing the cameras run around like yeah, like on a train everywhere. and stuff yeah yeah and and like like there's a whole car chase as well like yeah. you just can't see anything and this i'm not sure it was if it was him operating the camera but whoever was operating the camera was phenomenal because they would literally match the movement of the person that they wanted you to focus the attention on so if that person's moving the frame they'd match their movement for a second so your eye would grab them hijack your eyes yeah i mean in this guy yeah. let's talk, he, but like but that's a really a, hard yeah. thing to do because they did that and then the flash motion then they match someone else and it, it's it's like a whole different level of fucking camera choreography like that is really hard to do very it reminded me uh fucking david lynch films I don't know if you're like his his cinematography just follows every single movement a character makes, just like the human eye. Uh, Linus mm. is got a really great episode with the Deacons podcast, uh, Team Deacons. If you want to listen to that, he oh, talks cool. about his work. Oh, cool! I didn't know he work. had that. I'll look at that. That's he cool. does. He talks about his work on First Man and La La Land and American Hustle. You know everything, but he's no stranger to big technical challenges. But clearly, such an artist. Uh, yeah, uh, it was um, one of those I've, movies. He's a new favorite for me. Oh man, he's 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 the shit, dude. No he's shit. the shit. Mm. And this is one of those examples where, like, I didn't think once about how good and beautiful the cinematography was. Nailed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never once it. was like, oh, how did I, he get that? I, I did. I did a couple of times because of I course, have to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I wanted to, I could have. But in terms of story, it was everything mm. was so well composed, so well exposed. Yeah. So yeah. the movement was just so in line with yeah. what was happening and motivated from character that you just go along for the fucking ride from beginning to end, which I think I do think is saying a lot since we're used to seeing a different kind of bond movie, uh, which yeah. structurally the, the chases, maybe some handy cam every now and then when we're running around yep. with them and stuff. So this felt different in a lot of, uh, yeah. technical ways wait. as well. Cannot wait to get my hands on the special features for this actually yeah. to see how some of yeah. this stuff was done. I want to see the Norway. Go, I'm going to like see it the, again. You guys, I want to see like the Norway the sequences like in the jungle or whatever. Like all the stuff like in the woods. I would love to see mm. how they shot that because it's, it's mm. at night too. It's or like the sun is setting. Um, yeah, I would love to see that. So I think yeah, overall it came out that so much about this was so 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 good. Thank, thankfully, what saves Rami, because that's the trickiest thing, is the villain, what does the villain want? We forgive it in the theaters, but I'm worried about the rewatch the same way that Skyfall. I was like, oh, I thought the dialogue writing was cleaned up in this compared to some of the other of these post the, the yeah. past three. I, I, I feel like this is my second favorite now after Casino Royale. I think it is for me, mm. too. I think it is for me, too. Yeah. And I, I think that the Rami gets saved, even though we, we were critical. And I think that is we were we were right about that and we're not the only ones that said that i think because of the cold open with leah when she was young leah her character and then later you know with the therapist in the office and here's the perfume and they put her into a similar situation as vesper lynn where she's kind of deceiving bond but she has to because she doesn't have a choice yeah it's a mini version of that and i think that rami gets pulled off because of the triangulation that he does so i think ultimately mm. i'm gonna forgive the fact that he's not they, they just didn't give him an uh, they, they didn't they, flesh him out a lot yeah, yeah dave we didn't mention this at all but it's rami's almost kind of like um who's the guy in winter soldier that pulls them together and he's in the tv show with them as well um, who you oh, think um, craig that character the, craig uh, yeah fuck. zemo 
Zemo. Yeah, it kind of it's kind of like they were going for that. Like they were trying to spin it a little bit so that we would yeah. actually end up concentrating more on the other characters. But Randy's character Arnie, really wasn't the dancer. crux of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I agree everything you said, Jeff. I, I don't think it ruined the movie for any of us at all. It is not that serious. You're still going to enjoy no. this thing a lot. I, if you're a I Bond fan, I think you're going to be happy, but you're going to be sad. I'm telling you, you're going to be I was, sad. Yeah, I was like, I walked into this. I'm like, I have ambiguous feelings about this because like Bond can be hit and miss sometimes. And I walked out of this thing like, holy fuck. That's why it was an un- That was worth it. We, we know when it comes to like what it has endured the most, this is the franchise that takes the cake. It beats Star Wars. It beats MCU's up there, I guess. Like, you know, the, the ones that if endurance is part of the metric. But for us, we couldn't get over the fact that we saw some some Bond movies that were there were some slugs you know, compared to the rest of the canon, at least. Um, but yeah, that's where I am. So I guess, I guess we might as well wrap it up with maybe some, maybe yeah, some, maybe some bond predictions. What do you think? Oh yeah. Who's going to be next? Do you think we could give, give a couple suggestions. It's... For instance, I think like we should maybe a okay. female male, maybe, you know, there's like, uh, I, I don't know anyone they've got their eye on for female. Cause everyone's kind of like, if you, if you're going to do female bond, then make it something else. Like, cause, well, they like, killed Bond, whole... so that's what I was saying before. Well, it's like they killed him. Maybe this is their way of being like, mm. okay, if if this is if if we, I, I don't know. Okay, never mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's you, yeah. I mean, I'm in two minds about that. I mean, it'd be fun to see. Like, they they swapped uh, Doctor Who for a woman. Yeah, exactly. Recent, uh, exactly. Two seasons ago, and it is hands down the best Doctor Who I've ever seen. So I don't Jody. know. My my eyes are open on this one. I'll I'll uh, I'll take it or leave it. But uh, some of the some of the other suggestions that are out there are I don't know whether you've seen the series Outlander. I have. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sam Hewen. Yeah, Sam Sam. Yeah, Sam Hewen. Uh, he like it'll be the first Scottish Bond since Connery. He's in the running. He's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's in as, our like, running. Like he's not. He's not. In he's in, he's so. in. No, he's he's on lists all over the internet, dude. Uh, also, uh, Reggie Jean Page from Bridgerton. Reggie Reggie Jean Page, I would say, is is in the top. He he's in he's in the top canon for that because he he's in the. I would say he's in the top three because the other two are Tom Hardy and Henry Cavill. There's first of all, there's no way it's either mm. them. They're in other franchises, so I, I really just don't see the Broccoli's. I, I know, but like Look what they did in this day and Craig. age, people are handing French people are handing franchises over. Right, like no way is exaggerated, but I th- I think first of all, Lashana is a possibility. They could just give it to her. They did it to Daniel Craig, so why why does it have to be somebody that's you know quote unquote? That stuck? is true. Like, and I'd be on board. I go. She, see I that. think she got entrance applause in my theater because people were saying, "God, I hope it's just her." That's what I think. Um, <laughs> I think. For me, so, so obviously there's there's a huge call for a person of color. Uh, people keep saying Idris Elba. Idris Elba would have been the great choice in 2006. Yeah, Idris, Idris Elba is saying, are you fucking kidding Idris me? Idris Elba said, yeah. as soon as Daniel Craig was cast, that was it for me. What is, what's wrong with you people? Because um, yeah. he's, he's 52, 50 as well. Um, for that, though, I, I think if you're going to, if, if maybe we're going to go back and forth between, you know, your classy bond and maybe a more sluggish bond, I think Riz Ahmed would be a great choice. He's British. And Ooh, I think that would be a very, very, very interesting choice. I can get down with Riz. He's so small. Um, he's so, he's so little. Who gives a shit? They could change. They'll change everything to make it work. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. to, to be honest, I, I, I would. Tom Cruise is most, little. <laughs> mm-hmm. The true. most. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And they've showed it in one movie. Um, the I think the one I would lean towards most would be Henry Cavill because he like he can do a season of The Witcher whenever right. he wants, 
And that's the only franchise he's involved with, really, because DC keeps just fucking things around. Yeah. So Reggie John Page. He he is ripe for stepping in. I, I actually watched some of Bridgerton. I wish my mom didn't ask me to start watching it like at episode five for anybody that actually watched Bridgerton with her. Um, bad timing. I should have watched it from the beginning. <laughs> but um, Daniel Craig did Layer Cake and Munich before this movie so to anybody who's like where do they choose him from it's like do your homework because like obviously bridgerton is not the best like he better screen test the fuck out of this role if he's gonna get it because even though he checks all the boxes five films 15 years arcs like i i don't know i know riz can do it i know henry cavill can do it tom hardy can do it um there are others i mean i think i mean Tom, daniel kaluuya I, say could, tom's I think out of the running because like there's a lot of people that could do it oh yeah and this is just like, males. Tom's, we haven't even tom's out females. of the running because because venom is just taken off this with this just sequel, for scheduling so. like why would they want sure, to do that yeah, i'm pretty sure tom's John, out what do you think you're not, yeah i think he's out too i think uh, ultimately i think that they are probably waiting to see what happens with, with to the response of how they chose to walk away from this one and yeah you know, I'm sure they're going to talk to focus groups and see how people responded to Lashana Lynch and Ana de Armas. Uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if either of them takes over uh, or any of these guys. I don't really have any stake in it, but uh, it would as much fun as it would be to see them go a completely different direction. I just I think I'm going to be totally OK with it as long as the broccolis are still heavily involved, because I don't want the tone of these movies to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hate to call it out already before having seen it. But that movie that I'm sure you guys saw a trailer for with uh, the women in the intelligence agency, Jessica Chastain. Three five five. Yeah, three, it just five, doesn't. Lupita, you know, Lupita would be great. It, Lupita would be great. With open eyes. Lupita would be great. I'm just saying that movie doesn't look very good. So okay. I hope that the tone of of this movie, <laughs> sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I hope if they're going to switch into a, I'm a, not, I a mean, woman I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, oh, a woman or a person of color. I just want it to still. I don't want them to feel like they have to change the entire franchise, the tone and the, the, the art direction, the, the feel. The, I don't want them to feel like they have to change everything just because they're changing the look of the protagonist. Um, that would be a little upsetting to me. But maybe I need to change too, and maybe that's my lesson to learn. I don't know. I mean, they'll come out with what they come out with, and I, I mean, they're in a good yeah. place right now. Like they really finished on a high. In just my like, opinion. just like, you um, know what? Just like SNL, Daniel Craig, dude. Just like, let's give it up. Yeah. Just like, just like SNL has yeah. Lauren Michaels, who is in. You know, without SNL, who was he before? Now he does Thirty Rock and etc. But like, they just needed that. Barbara Broccoli, this is all she has to think about. <laughs> so uh, I think she's going to consult the right people and make the right choice. I do too. She's female, male, any any ethnicity. I think they're going to make. I think they're going to make a choice that is going to give us a really fucking interesting, awesome next film. I think you're right. Can't wait. We'll be there. Can't wait. We'll be there to check it yeah. out. Yeah. Hi, people. Cannot wait. If anybody's still listening, I'm kidding. Um, Rick. Recommendations. <laughs> your train's probably at work, but just blow off your work. Keep keep listening. Uh, recommendations. What have you guys been watching? The week of Bond coming out. I watched Skyfall, which I sort of mentioned, but anything else, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw two things. Uh, I saw the movie Voyages, ah! uh, which is a sci-fi uh, about uh, like 2063. They finally, Earth is done pretty much, and they're sending a group of kids off on a generational mission to get a new uh, planet. Um. I wouldn't say I recommend it, but it's on HBO. Okay. <laughs> yeah. John? Uh, oh, sorry. No, but I also, one thing I will recommend though, and my wife put me onto it, uh, Miracle Workers. It's a Miracle series Workers. on Hulu. 
Yeah, it's uh, basically it's it's almost like uh, it's like an episode of What If. It's like What If God was the dude. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> Steve Buscemi and Daniel Radcliffe, and it is fucking hilarious. Like I've seen two episodes, and oh my god, like God is more just Steve Buscemi is playing God, and he's this absolute fucking deadbeat is obsessed with placing bets nice and yeah uh, yeah enough said just have a give it a look that one is hilarious yeah. and daniel radcliffe is yeah. great in it you know fuck it make daniel radcliffe i watched a, a five for two <laughs> oh, harry no. potter bond let's get go. age into it done yeah. expect a butch <laughs> i uh <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, that was the way problem. funnier than it should have been <laughs> thanks that liter of beer helped helped <laughs> lubricate that comedy I think I, I watched the quarters. problem the problem with Apu um, that mm-hmm. documentary talking with um, what is that comedian's name you guys Gilbert Gottfried his name his name is not Gilbert Gottfried oh it my is, god uh, sorry very Harvey Kondabalu sorry same movie I'm so sorry uh, Apu? Oh my Harry, god, no, The Simpsons. Harry oh my Kondabala? god, can somebody buzz me so that I don't, we don't have to cut this out? But yeah, just no, I got make you. Me, make I me got feel you. like an asshole. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, I didn't know his comedy, but you know, I, I, I want to watch this class or watch this for one of my classes and read some articles about it and stuff. It was, uh, I, I remember when this came out on HBO Max. Uh, if you're interested, if you're interested in these kinds of ethical dilemmas and some of the casting changes that are happening as we, yeah, as we adjust to uh, very reasonable, <laughs> not racist expectations, this is a this is a good watch to just give you some insight into why an entire community of people were just terrorized by Hank Azaria playing a poo <laughs> for the entire fucking run of The Simpsons until like two years ago. Wow. Uh, I'm also reading, Not I'll, I'll just throw this out there because it's a movie thing. I'm reading Akira Kurosawa's autobiography and it's awesome. Jesus. It's just going through, yeah, going through his movies at this point about halfway through and it's it's really cool. If you're a Kurosawa fan, it's, and uh, in it's case In case anyone hasn't caught on yet, John's at film school. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> that one's for pleasure. The book yeah. is for pleasure. Oh, right. Yeah, fair, fair. That's Hilarious. fair. <laughs> um, I watched uh, a good chunk of Squid Game. I started it on Friday on a bus on a commute, and yeah, I've been thinking about it ever since. So I chunked. I'm chunking away. Yeah. It's yeah. I that's I I actually finished it on Friday. And holy crap, dude! Yeah, like there's a reason it's number one. I, it's violent as fuck everybody knows but i think even even more than the hunger games which is it's like a comparison hunger games for adults even more you can tell there's some messages there's some shit that they're talking about that that makes all of the violence where you're watching this and you're like okay all, all i'd heard was episode six fucked me up and i got to episode six and i was expecting gory violence and it's not what you think which at game all. was it because i i watched i might have gotten it's up marbles. to six I watched Marbles. Yeah, I watched that. I, f- I finished. Went through yeah. that one. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, Marbles. Marbles is fucked up. Yeah, and it it gets you real bad. So all yeah. right. Um, duh, man. They'll get it. They'll, they'll probably get a second. I, I they'll do something. I'm sure. But yeah, they gotta do something. Um, all right, people. Thank you so much for joining us for Bond. I can't wait to see you next week, guys. Anything before we go? That's all, nope. man. See ya. Daniel Craig. Peace out. Daniel Craig. Yeah. What a way to Hope peace out. Hope he's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs>